with life, family, health, and finance pulling us in every direction, we lose connection to the real self and the intuitive voice that guides us forward. We leave our dreams behind and wonder why we're not living a better life. Welcome to the show that will put you back on the path that you need to be on. Welcome to Living the Best You with Janice Darrow. Through the guidance from Janice and her guests, our intention is that you'll be inspired and have greater clarity to live a more harmonious life. Now, here is Janice Darrow. Hi, my name's Janice, and uh, you're listening to Living the Best You, so welcome to the show. And I'd love to thank our sponsor, The Inner Way, and if you can get a chance to see the DVD, it's very transformative, and uh, we'll really help you... See your life, see yourself in a different way, and the more you love yourself up, the more your life becomes that reflection. And so today, we're going to start out with a, a reflective exercise that's a little different. Uh, so, and uh, if you could close your eyes and take a deep breath in. And as you release the exhale, just feel all the stress just releasing out of your body. And with another breath in, go to a time in your life where you really felt nourished and mothered, whether it's from your mother, uh, a male, a, a female, someone who you felt really nourished and mothered by, and feel them holding you. And feel yourself getting rocked and loved up. And just that they're taking their hand caressing your hair, and just really loving you. And just feel the love so big that expands in your being, out, out of your being, out to the world. And feel that love, that motherly feeling of love, go out to all people, all children in the world who are really needing that nourishment, that loving, that motherliness, that caring. Just feel that no matter where you are, that the love that you feel for children, for humanity, can be felt by them. And feel that love, especially at this time for the Nigerian girls, that have been taken from their homes and put into a situation that's very traumatic and tormenting and just feel that love. And with another breath, deep breath in, feel yourself come back to you and know that you are truly lovable and you are loving. And welcome to the show. That's in honor of Mother's Day. And today's show, we are talking about um, children and um, homeless teens and uh, all, all situations. So what, one of the things, uh, the quote that I really like is, it takes a village, it's an African proverb, it takes a, a village to raise a child. So some facts about about the village of the United States is um, that there are approximately 1.7 million homeless teens in the U.S. 
And during last year, there were 640,000 children spent some time in and out of their foster care or out of uh, group homes. And one in four kids are bullied. Some other facts that um, are, are pretty, pretty sad is uh, 39% of the homeless population are people under 18 years old. And uh, the studies found that 46% of homeless youth left their home because of physical abuse, 17% left of sexual abuse, and 40% uh, identify as LGBT, and 50% of young people in shelters and on streets report that their parents told them to leave or knew they were leaving and didn't care. So that's um, pretty sad uh, and uh, <clears throat> in our world going on. And so when we think about how to best handle this, uh, if you've experienced personally as, as an adult in your childhood trauma, uh, suffering of any kind or any kind of uh, abuse or neglect, you as an adult are still probably struggling with this. And so the, the big question has been, how, how do you best work with this situation? Um, and I think about Viktor Frankl, and um, I've talked about him on a couple other shows, and v- Viktor Frankl is, um, he was in concentration camps, Auschwitz, and actually four different ones. He, his pregnant wife was, was killed along with his family. And uh, he wrote a book, about a meaningful life. And what he says about, um, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning. And he also says, forces beyond your control can take everything you possess except for one thing, your freedom to choose how you respond to the situation. So, you know, we... Um, when you look at your life and if, or you look at the children's life that are out there, it's like, how do we respond to that situation? Um, we have a guest today, but um, I think there might be a time mix-up. She's not here. The, she's an author. Cynthia Luce is the author of Invisible Girl. And uh, so I'm just going to talk about it. I read her book, and I'm going to talk about this and a little bit about uh, why this is fascinating not in fascinating, like I'm fascinated looking at it as an odd thing, but while I have been passionate about this subject uh, for a long time, I was a um, at 25 years old, a foster parent, uh, therapeutic foster parent with my first husband. We had 17 kids come through our home, and then uh, in my late 20s, my first husband and I adopted five children. And I was also on the Foster Care Review Board, Foster Parent Association, and very involved. Um, and WNC Families Can, which is working with families with, ch- with children with special needs. So, so on a personal basis, I really have experienced a lot of, um, of, of the, the sad results of, of consequences of what's happened to all this neglect and abuse that is. And when I was a foster parent, 30, almost 30 years ago, there, I was devastated at the thought that there were 100,000 children in foster care in the United States waiting for adoption. And to, to see the numbers to, to be uh, um, 640,000 of last year, is, is we have a problem. And um, yeah, I, 
<laughs> I wish Cynthia were here to talk about it. Um, in her book, she, she too experienced just, uh, rape by her father at nine years old. Uh, both of her parents were, were drug addicts. She experienced abuse in every which way. And her life story is, um, pretty heart-wrenching. And, um, and she turned her life around. Uh, but she was also put in foster care and did not have a very good impression of foster parents or foster care system because uh, of um, the way that the system is set up. And one of the things we discussed in the phone this week is because as a foster parent, I experienced all kinds of situations, just like anybody in a home. Um, but because the way that it's set up with social services, the decrease in funds, what's happening is the foster parents aren't getting the support that they need to really take care of the kids. Because um, another thing is 80% of all the children that are in foster care are suffering with mental health problems. And uh, so what we really need is is more, more training, more work. Um, because... Our guest is not on today. <laughs> um, I, I uh, w- welcome, I greatly welcome questions or to- more topics or sharing of stories on this topic. Uh, so please call 1-888-346-9141. So how it came to be for me, and I'm just going to keep talking away, and so <laughs> I appreciate um, this, but how it came to be for me of what I remembered is when I was in kindergarten, uh, well, actually, my mother gave me up when I was two years old, my brother and I, and we went, my dad was in the Navy, we went to my grandparents and lived at our grandparents for till I was seven. So I would walk to kindergarten every day, and on the way to kindergarten, there was an orphanage, and I couldn't understand, in those days I had orphanages, I couldn't understand why those kids were um, were were in behind the big gates and not able to go to school with us. So I asked a friend of mine, Anne, who is a year older than I am, she was first grade, why those kids weren't going to school. And she said, well, they didn't have parents. And I was so sad at the thought that these kids didn't have parents. It didn't occur to me that my parents weren't raising me at that time. Um, but the thought that these kids couldn't go to school with us of, uh, because they didn't have parents just really struck a chord for me at six years old. When I was 12, I read the book, The Family Nobody Wanted, and it was about this family who adopted 13 kids. And at the age of 12, I decided right then and there that when I grew up, I would do whatever I could to, um, to, to make a difference for these kids, to try to to, to, to uh, help. Um, so I was definitely set on the track um, to, do, to do fostering and to do adoption from a very young age. When I look at Victor Frank and what he talks about, in some ways suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning. For me, because I had had a lot of um, tumultuous situations growing up and a lot of confusion being moved around, um, and also a lot of personal trauma, I, I really can look back now and see that finding meaning um, to help these children 
who these children were me as well, uh, was the meaning for my life. And so I've dedicated a lot of time, love, energy, and to see that it's actually getting to be a worse situation in our culture is um, pretty sad. So we really do need to find new ways to work with the situation. Um, one of the things that um, what I asked, uh, and I apologize, <laughs> I apologize that um, Cynthia is not here because she is a very wise young woman and who's really, uh, so I asked her some questions. I asked her, you know, what would she do if um, someone like me, because I was a very troubled teen, um, and for, for those who I've shared my story with a little bit, I was, um, you know, uh, a very difficult teenager. And if I were sent to a foster home, I don't think I would have done very well. Um, I believed as a teenager I knew what I wanted to do. I knew who I was. Nobody could tell me anything. And um, I just really had a bad attitude and a lot of pain. And I think, I think what I found looking back now is that people um, really don't recognize a child in pain because there's a lot of anger expressed, and people respond to the anger. And um, and as a foster parent, that's what I found. I found a lot of kids that came to our home had a lot of anger. They were not interested in bonding. They weren't interested in being loved by us. Many wanted to just get home to the situations that were really harmful to them. And uh, we, we were just in their way. Um, and I know that as a teenager, I would have felt the same way. And so I asked Cynthia, what, what would you say to a foster parent that um, really had a child in their home and they were really trying to do the best that they could um, for these kids? And yet they really had their lives turned upside down because the kids were angry. Um, you know, I remember one time we had a foster daughter teenager whose mother kept passing her back and forth, sadly, through social services. Social services uh, put her in foster care every time. And I remember one day she was just sitting with scissors cutting up every one of her clothes. And, um, you know, she really was um, a very tormented girl. And, uh, you know, these kind of situations, a lot of times foster parents aren't trained in how to work with. So it was, so, you know, I mean, I, I have found creative ways. And, and fortunately, in those days before they, they decreased the funding, there was a lot of training for people uh, for foster parents, for therapeutic foster parents especially, to work with kids. But what they don't really talk about is, you know, how to best handle, because there's a lot of, and we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. We're having a break in a few minutes. But what they don't talk about is is that um, what? how do you work with a kid who really doesn't care to connect with you? Because most people just think love will help these kids come out of it. And um, I think love does help, but I think also love doesn't mean just giving the child um, everything. And, and that's what I think is a misconception around it. And, and you know, I'll talk about some of the training that I've had around that. It's, and and uh, there's some tough love 
approach that might not be understood um, by everybody who, who uh, other people who don't have kids in their life that, um, and they call it attachment disorder, but, you know, really it's just the heart has been so wounded, so hurt that the, the children who have suffered so much, you know, aren't about to open up to anyone. And I've seen this at all ages. And so there's a harshness to the way they see the world and a lack of trust. And as, you know, how could they? they everybody they've ever trusted has really let them down. So what I've found in the training that I've had as a therapeutic foster parent is the way that you parent children that are hardened in that way, that are hurt and devastated by life, is a little different approach um, than the way that someone might parent their biological child who totally trusts them, who, who's never um, been hurt or um, suffered at the hands of someone they're supposed to trust. Um, we have a break right now. And um, our, our guest is not here. <laughs> I think we might have had a, a, t- a time different problem. I apologize for this. But uh, this topic is we're talking about really uh, children, homeless teens, uh, children in the foster care, and bullying. Uh, so please call with questions or sharing, and we'd love to talk with you. Call 888-346-9141, and thank you. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You deserve to live the life you are meant to live. Your struggles can become the pathway to gratitude and the joy of living. The true voice of your inner you is longing to be heard by you again. Gain greater tools and awareness. The adventure is just beginning. Janice Darrow invites you to visit www.JaniceDarrow.com to learn more about the exciting work she's doing as an intuitive empowerment guide, vision board facilitator, workshop leader, and inspirational speaker. Your path begins with a single step. That's JaniceDarrow.com. J-A-N-E-S-E-D-E-R-R-O-U-G-H.com. Do you think about losing weight and living a healthier life? Are you ready to make a change but don't know where to start? Then you need to know about The Inner Way, a life-transforming inspirational DVD that will teach you how to change your thinking and change your life. Using the law of attraction, The Inner Way will explain why we become what we think about most and show you how to start attracting the things you truly want in life. The Inner Way is an exercise plan for your mind. Experts like Bob Proctor and Gay Hendricks will guide you through an abundant variety of tools to help you remap your thinking and start focusing on living the life you were meant to live. If weight loss and health always seem to be on your to-do list, you can get started today by visiting TheInnerWay.com. That's www.TheInnerWeigh.com. Watch the trailer, read the reviews, and discover why people are calling The Inner Way a film that everyone should watch. It's time to take that step toward the you that you were meant to be. It's time to experience The Inner Way. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You 
are tuned in to Living the Best You with your host, Janice Darrow. To reach our show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to JaniceLD at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to Living the Best You. Hi, this is Janice Darrow, and uh, welcome to the show, Living the Best You. Uh, we are winging it today. Our, our guest, um, there must have been some confusion, but this is a topic that has uh, been passionate in my life, in my heart, and we are talking about uh, the sad state of affairs around children being abused, neglected, homeless, and uh, different thoughts about what we can do. So what I'm going to first um, talk about, I mean, first, I guess we're after the break, but right now first, <laughs> is really um, if you are an adult that has really suffered from childhood abuse and neglect, uh, neglect and trauma, uh, it feels it is very important to find ways to love yourself back up and to not believe the messages that you had been given as a child. I was given a lot of very significant negative messages as a kid. Um, a lot of not being loved, that, and I was also bullied because I had lost my eye, and kids would call names uh, in school, and there's a lot of bullying more nowadays going on. And uh, so I really, um, and I really had very little parenting. So I was kind of on my own um, and making a lot of bad choices in my life. And one of the things that they say is about um, 75% of homeless teens use drugs or alcohol as a means to self-medicate, to deal with the trauma, traumatic experiences and abuse they face. I too, although I was not homeless, I did have a location called home and, and did have, uh, my father was raising me most of the time, but he was working, uh, raising two kids, going to school. Um, also, you know, he um, uh, drank, but he is now sober as long as I've been. So I appreciate the transformation that, that I have had with my family, uh, with my dad, with my mom. And, um, but what I was was a very troubled teen. And uh, it was mentioning in the first part of the show that if somebody tried to place me into a foster home, I would not have been the easiest foster kid uh, at all. I um, was kicked out of high school uh, due to my rebelliousness. And I know, thinking about it now, people go, really? I mean, because, um, you know, I do have a degree. I've, I'm, I'm working on my master's degree right now. I really, you know, but at that time, I had... I had no guidance, no support. So if, if you um, know any child that uh, is in a similar situation, I think on one level they're longing and craving for some kind of love, some kind of support, um, and expect a lot of rejection because that's all they know how to do is to protect themselves, but don't give up. And so for me, I... Um, I felt pretty much on my face. I didn't think I was going to talk about me today. <laughs> I'm not ready, but I'm just doing it. So I uh, seriously got into uh, self-medicating through alcohol, through drugs. And by the time I was 20 years old, I was in my second rehab. 
Uh, at almost 21, I went into my third. And what I did do at that time was beg them, the people in the 30-day rehab program, to not let me out of there. Uh, I'm almost 21. I said, you know, I don't know how to do life any other way. Uh, so I, uh, they put me, fortunately for me, in a program for eight months. That was the turning point of my life. I always sensed that I deserved a better life. I just didn't know how um, to get there. And uh, that was the beginning of a very transformative journey for me. And it's interesting. Today, I was, uh, as I was reflecting before the show and talking about it, I saw a couple of butterflies outside the window. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, transformation. Because that's really what it's about. It's about the willingness and desire to be more, to live more, to not believe in the messages that were given to you and to let that kind of like the phoenix bird, you know, to come out of the fire and the ashes. Uh, so that was uh, when I was almost 21 years old. Uh, the great news is, is that I've, <laughs> I've been working on loving me ever since <laughs> and have been uh, clinging sober and and uh, as Frankel's message is, um, his quote, is really when I started taking my own, um, you know, I was really big on victim thinking. I mean, I, I remember one time I was sitting in this rehab program. I mean, we, it was very strict. I was there for eight months. And um, every day we got together in group and we'd have to say whether we're mad, sad, glad, or scared. <clears throat> and I'd say, oh, you know, and, and, and uh, well, to back it up, before I got sober, uh, I had a stepmother for a year when I was uh, probably in third grade. And when I uh, would come home crying about kids calling me names, she punched me in the nose one time and told me if I told anybody that um, that she would do it again and that to stop feeling sorry for myself. So I really stopped crying uh, <clears throat> because I saw that as a sign of, feeling sorry for myself, which was weak. Um, So by the time I got 20 years old, I was pretty hardened. I hadn't cried or really connected to those feelings for a very long time. Uh, So when we get together in the group and say, whether we're mad, sad, glad, or scared, I would always say, oh, I'm sad. Now remember, I didn't have a feeling attached. I was just saying it because my mom did this, my dad did this, you know, the elephant did this, (laughs) whatever I could find to blame. I was really a master of blame. And uh, what they would do, these these other 20 young adults that I was in that probably had uh, worse stories than I could even imagine, would call me on as BS in a less nice way. They'd tell me, get real, get real. And I remember after three months of this group thing happening two, three times a way, day, I mean, uh, we, I was just like, I started yelling. I am getting real. I am talking my feelings. And they stopped and they applauded. It was the first real feeling I expressed. And from that point on, it was like a dam had broke and I really started getting in touch with my feelings. But the point of that is what else they did say that was really transformative for me is you're an adult now. Who took the drink? Who took the drink? And so I find in the work I do as an empowerment guide that, you know, we all um, 
have moments of feeling helpless over our life situation and we all want to blame someone else and we all do. But really as adults, who's making these choices? And that's one thing that Viktor Frankl's um, quote that's really powerful is forces beyond your control can take everything you possess except for one thing, your freedom to choose how you respond to the situation. So as adults that maybe have suffered, or even as children or teenagers that have suffered at the hands of another person, you, we all have the power to choose how we are going to respond to it. Do we want to respond in a self-loving way? Do we want to have our lives feel ruined and to show other people that they've ruined our lives? There are so many choices that I've seen in, in all these many ways that we work um, on this pain that we all carry inside. And, um, you know, and then the other side of the coin is not only are we dealing with our own personal suffering um, how are we having a positive impact for those and protecting those right now that are experiencing that? You know, I, I talked in our reflective exercise about Nigeria, and the numbers keep going up, but the sad tragedy of Nigeria right now, the girls, they were taken, if you don't know the story, they were taken out of their secondary school um, by uh, uh terrorist and um, and militia and sold for $12 um, to be slaves or wives of other terrorists in the group. Um, it's pretty tragic and, and um, you know, the parents are, are just beside themselves asking for uh, world help. And if you look at how we're responding to the situation, very different than perhaps we respond to other situations such as like um, the missing plane, uh, there's very little attention being put on these 300 and something Nigerian girls that have been kidnapped um, to be sent to a life of 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 nightmare beyond our imagination. So we so we really. You know, it's really important for us to, that's why the, the African proverb really means a lot. It um, takes a village to raise a child. And it's about awareness. It's about getting out of our own self, our own pain, our, our own desires and needs and wants. And really, what is the bigger picture? We're all in this together. And how can we be of best service to humanity and really come from a compassionate way. And um, I'm, 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 uh, I'm welcoming calls. Uh, our, our guest is not here today, so I apologize about that. But I'm still carrying on about the subject because it has been a very passionate subject for me uh, my whole life. Um, and those who didn't hear in the beginning, I was a therapeutic foster parent with my first husband. We fostered 17 kids. We adopted five kids who are now grown adults. And I'm happy to say that they're doing, most of them are doing fairly well, and I'm very proud of them. And uh, so it's been a really um, lot of learning and a growing and willingness uh, to, put my, to put ourselves out there to serve um, one of the, the things that I hear back from people when I talk about 
becoming a foster parent is, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to get my heart broken. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say you're not going to get your heart broken. I mean, we've had our heart broken uh, many times as foster parents. Um, and I remember a, a situation where we had a sibling group of three kids and, and um, they were all sexually molested. And, and we're talking four months old to uh, four years old. Um, and it was, it was pretty devastating um, to see how the impact of that was on them. They were in our home for two years and uh, sadly ended up being sent back to the same situation without a whole lot of change. Um, so I can tell you, yeah, there's a lot of heartbreak, um, but it's about not our own heartbreak. It's about really contributing in a more positive way to the life of another person. Um, because if everybody who became a foster parent is afraid of heartbreak, then what kind of foster parents would there be? Um, probably the people who are more guarded in their heart. But yeah, so I, I hear that a lot. And I know for me, after a lot of pain, it's taken a lot of years to come back to this place of saying, um, yes, we should all get in there. Because there was a period where I felt really hurt by the situation. But we have... Uh, come from 30 years ago, 100,000 children in the foster care to almost 400,000 children now. Uh, we have a problem on our hands. I know this is a pretty uh, heavy subject, but it's an honest one, and it's what's going on in our world or our country, our, our village of the United States. And, it, you know, it's, so there's a lot of ideas out there of what people... Um, think should we should do as a, as a you know as a village to help these kids and really i think the most important thing is dialogue to come out and realize that we have a problem and that we really do need to talk about this and you know the funds that were there available for the children are no longer for mental health services for their care and upkeep in foster homes for the help and support for the foster parents bringing on, taking on these situations, or for the runaway uh, shelters. You know, so sadly what's happening is the number of kids are in, uh, have increased that are in really serious need of help, and the funds have decreased. Um, so there's a lot of... Um, that we need to do to talk about the importance because if a kid isn't put under the rug, then um, then sadly the kids will be uh, missing through the cracks of of life and uh, grow up to be adults that are very angry and very hurt and and have been neglected and want want revenge. So really, it's about uh, cultivating a greater compassion and love for for all humanity. I, um, <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm trying to think of the next spot to go to because, um, this is, uh, the first time that I've ever had a no show guest. So I'm really learning a lot at the moment. So I appreciate all those that are listening, uh, to the show. And because this is an important subject, um, and, the, our guest 
that was to be on the show wrote the book Invisible Girl, and she talks about how she was seriously bullied um, by not having you know, clothes, uh, clean, not being clean and not having food and, and going to school filthy. And, um, and, and so kids made fun of her and, and that was pretty traumatic. And, um, so what's interesting in hearing and reading her story is where were the adults in all this, the school teachers or people that were around in her life, didn't they see that there was a problem? And that's one of the things I think that as a as a village, as a as a as a U.S. village, I'm going to call continue to call ourselves a village of the United States because that's really an important way to see ourselves. It's uh, or we could say global village because it really is about that. But as a global village, you know, it's really important for adults that if you see something odd happening. If you're a teacher, you see a child coming to school, a child that's been sexualized, a child that's not being clean, you know, it is our role as a global village to look after the children. Uh, so we are coming to a break, and I uh, welcome, definitely welcome, any kind of story sharing, questions, uh, and anything around this topic. Uh, if you yourself have been uh, a victim of, of child abuse, neglect, rape, incest, uh, and would like to share perhaps some tools. The last part of the show, we're going to talk about tools and how to really come through into a healthier way. Uh, we would love and welcome your sharing. The number here is 888-346-9141. And uh, talk with you on the other side. Thank you. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You deserve to live the life you are meant to live. Your struggles can become the pathway to gratitude and the joy of living. The true voice of your inner you is longing to be heard by you again. Gain greater tools and awareness. The adventure is just beginning. Janice Darrow invites you to visit www.JaniceDarrow.com to learn more about the exciting work she's doing as an intuitive empowerment guide, vision board facilitator, workshop leader, and inspirational speaker. Your path begins with a single step. That's JaniceDarrow.com. J-A-N-E-S-E-D-E-R-R-O-U-G-H.com. Do you think about losing weight and living a healthier life? Are you ready to make a change but don't know where to start? Then you need to know about The Inner Way, a life-transforming inspirational DVD that will teach you how to change your thinking and change your life. Using the law of attraction, The Inner Way will explain why we become what we think about most and show you how to start attracting the things you truly want in life. The Inner Way is an exercise plan for your mind. Experts like Bob Proctor and Gay Hendricks will guide you through an abundant variety of tools to help you remap your thinking and start focusing on living the life you were meant to live. If weight loss and health always seem to be on your to-do list, you can get started today by visiting TheInnerWay.com. That's www.TheInnerWeigh.com. Watch the trailer, read the reviews, and discover why people are calling The Inner Way a film that everyone should watch. It's time to take that step toward the you that you were meant to be. 
It's time to experience the inner way. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to Living the Best You with your host, Janice Darrow. To reach our show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to JaniceLD at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to Living the Best You. Hi, this is Janice, and you are listening to Living the Best You. And... Um, we are having a winging it show today, and what that means is our guest um, was not able to make it on. So I am um, talking about some of the topics that she's written in her book that also have uh, I've personally experienced. Um, so what I'd like to talk about in this last section uh, is really about how I uh, came out of from a pretty dire situation in my own uh, self. I was talking about how I went into rehab for eight months. So what did I do after that? How, how have I built my life to where it is? Because anyone who knows me and where my life is today would never, ever dream that I was that alcoholic teenager in a rehab. Um, my life has really come a long ways. So I'm extremely grateful for all the support uh, through that's out available and out there in the world. A lot of, um, I've done a lot of personal growth workshops, a lot of learning and a lot of loving me up. And I would say loving me up has been huge. And what that means is I did a little bit with the reflective exercise, but because I really had such a poor opinion of myself, I was called a lot of names. I was told I was hated by people who, uh, that really uh, I needed to be cared about from. And um, and so what loving up means is I would take and imagine holding me, my little girl, as an adult, in my arms, and I would give me the loving as a mother would to a daughter. And I would just imagine little Janice tell her how precious she is. And when I say she, it's me, but I'm still having my adult self. My adult self is acting as the adult for the child part that still lives within all of us. And so I would rock me and I would love me and I would kiss my face all over and and just really give me the message how lovable and sweet and precious I am. And um, I was fortunate in learning how to learning how to cry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> learning how to emote, I had shoved down so many feelings for so long. And I, this is an interesting point because um, I have I really believe feelings are healthy, you know, healthy feelings. Um, and what I mean by that is when we shove the grief down over and over, no matter what, whether it's grief of a loss of a loved one, grief over some trauma that happened in our childhood, we shove it down because we're supposed to be happy. Then what happens is inside we just get very full and, and there's, we're not fluid to move into our natural self. So we get very, uh, like we have to pretend to be happy or we have to, you know, be automatic in order to function. And so we become less our spontaneous creative free-spirited self 
are less of our natural self because in order to survive, we need to play by what people say. So what I found was the more that I really uh, loved me up, the more that I released the grief and the emotions um, and really started to um, connect and get support from people who weren't afraid of emotions. And, you know, I, I at this point I want to thank Mark Johnson. I don't know if he's listening to the show, but Mark Johnson, who is my first husband, was huge in that role in that because I'd met him after a year and a half of being sober and that we were both exploring what it was to be authentic with our emotions. So I had hours and hours and hours of a lot of emotion <laughs> that probably any therapist would have tried to put me on an antidepressant. Um, I'm not saying that antidepressant is a bad thing. I'm saying that trying to repress emotions or suppress emotions can be detrimental to connecting with your natural creative self. Um, So I was able to really do that. Um, And the more I did that, the more I really connected to me, to who I am, to what I'm about, the more my life became alive and I felt really able to give back to help others, to be there for others. In the beginning, there's no way. I was so wounded, so hurt, so stuck on me um, that I didn't have a lot to give. You know, so, so when I'm talking about you know, giving back to others or, or being a village, it's like we also need to, to give to ourselves. That's really critical to healing a lot of those wounds is to love yourself up or give to yourself. And if emotions are difficult, then give to yourself in ways that might feel nourishing, whether it's spending more quiet time, taking a nice bath, but give yourself some feedback that you are precious, that you are lovable, because that's really important ingredient if you especially have come from trauma uh, earlyhood trauma that has not um, been conducive or supportive of you feeling lovable. Uh, so anyways, that's that's what I've been doing for the last um, 33 years that I've been sober. <laughs> I'm happy to say that that has really made a difference for me and been really helpful. Um, also, you know, I, I know that a lot of times movement or walking, getting in nature, because a lot of times the body itself holds these memories. If you've been, if you've been hit, uh, sexually molested in any way, and your body has gotten the message that it is uh, not safe, then a lot of times the emotion sits inside the that the body itself and and is tight inside of there. So a lot of times moving your body, whether it's through exercise, through dance, through movement, through walking in nature, finding ways to move body is really um, very important. So um, Cynthia Luce is the author of Invisible Girl. She's written about her childhood that's pretty... uh, pretty horrendous and traumatic uh, that that she's gone through. Um, we're hoping that we can catch her on the line even just for a few minutes of her great wisdom because she's really being a strong advocate and inspirational speaker uh, for, for kids in situations that were similar to hers. And because she was 
seriously traumatized through the bullying that happened um, and with bullying increasing right now uh, with the internet and there's been some suicides with bullying, uh, Cynthia has been a really strong advocate on really educating people on the effects, the impact that bullying has and, and how to best work with that. Um, so we're having difficulty getting, I, the line has been, uh, is having, she might be having struggles with her phone line, but uh, you might want to, well, you definitely would want to pick up her book, read it, give her the love and support of her, uh, what she's doing right now to make a difference uh, because there's a lot of bullying going on and, um, you know, people just need, kids especially need to know that we are there, we've got their back because so many kids are not feeling supported or or got their back, especially, you know, when you think about it, 40% of the homeless teens are identifying with LGBT, you know, they've been, kids are getting kicked out because they're lesbian or gay or, or, um, you know, and or bisexual, transvestite, you know, it's transgender. There's so many reactions to kids that is harmful to them instead of seeing them as these precious beings and that we are all in this village together to really support one another. And um, so if you know of anyone or you see signs, if you're in a, a position in your career where you're around children and you see signs that there's distress, um, normally young children don't ha- act out a lot of distress unless there's something real going on. So really it's important for us to touch base and even the kindest word um, makes a difference. And um, I'm hoping we can get Cynthia on the line, but I'll just keep talking (laughs) until we do. So what happened for me really um, how I got a positive feedback from was high school. I really felt like this one teacher that I was in a class called Family Communications and it was ninth grade really had some thought about um, caring about me. He kept trying to help me, trying to talk me into uh, being in a healthier way in my life. And uh, interesting enough, when I went back after being sober 10 years to thank him, you know, he said something quite shocking. He says, no, I, I didn't really believe in you. I, uh, I th- we all thought that you would die of a drug overdose by 25 years old, but Mr. Smith, the vice principal, believed in you. And I look back and Mr. Smith was always giving me a hard time. I would have never thought he was the person who believed in me, but he put me in a school for at-risk teens they gave me, put me into a canoeing program, like an outward bound. So I got a lot of help because of Mr. Smith. And to this day, even though he's passed, um, I am grateful that someone saw the distress I was in and that really believed in me enough to try to get me hooked up to different programs that maybe they said at that point didn't work. But now in my 50s, I look back and every one of those attempts was meaningful in my life. Um, so really it's about reaching out and, and um, helping another or helping your own self. If you're in distress, you feel like your life has been seriously traumatized due to uh, neglect, abuse, trauma, rape, 
sexual molestation uh, or bullying, really reach out to an organization that will. So we're going to talk about next week. Next week I was going to be interviewed. (laughs) We're going to talk about intuition and how to follow your heart. Geraldine Plato, who was on the show uh, last week, we talked about vision board, is going to be interviewing me about intuition and how we can really connect to our own intuition and follow our own, uh, whether you want to call it divine voice, higher voice, uh, conscience, heart, a soul, um, but to follow something greater than our little voice um, and to create our life in a bigger way. Um, so I uh, appreciate everyone who has stayed through the show. Uh, check out The Invisible Girl by Cynthia Luce and um, really give her all the support that you can because she's doing some really great things out there for uh, the, the homeless teens abused, neglected, and bullied kids. So uh, we appreciate that you're listening to Living the Best You, and we thank our sponsor, The Inner Way. And if you are interested in um, sponsoring this show and wanting to hear my rah-rah about your product or your service, then please contact me at J-A-N-E-S-E-L-D at gmail.com or contact Voice America. Um, and we'd love to uh, have your services or product on the show. So thank you, and you have a delight-filled week, and remember to love yourself up and to reach out to another. We appreciate you joining us for this week's edition of Living the Best You with Janice Darrow. Please tune in again next Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, get ready to have the best time of your life.